Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Well, the ACC tournament is here. Welcome to the FizzCast. Jonathan Hoppy, along with Tim Leonard breaking down SU's path to winning it all. Huh. Can I even say that? No. I think that's a little bullish. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Let me slow down a little bit. Breaking down SU's path to beating North Carolina yes. <laughs> on Wednesday in game number two. That's pretty much what we're looking at, folks. Syracuse has earned the sixth seed after a tough, tough overtime 69-65 to loss to Miami. Will Elijah Hughes even play next week? Tim, we're not sure. We have no idea, and it's really a shame that you didn't have him for that second half. All we know is that he banged heads with Barama Sidibe. We'll see. There is some time here. You don't play until Wednesday at 9.30 now, which, I mean, that's kind of a travesty in and of itself. Could be even later than that. Yeah, that it's a 9.30 game now. I guess I saw some people on Twitter saying, well, 2.30, I might be at work. 9.30, it's past my bedtime. It's kind of a (laughs) worst-case scenario either way, but... I'd say 930 is really the bad outcome because of the spectators there, which I guess you can make a case is a good thing if it's against UNC and in Greensboro. But long story short, Elijah Hughes is obviously going to be very important if he does play. If he doesn't, they did not look like the same team without him. They didn't. Very uninspiring second half. Joe Girard hit the shot that eventually sent it to overtime. Outside of that, though, he took some ill-advised threes in overtime Jim Beheim said after the game, just not really ready for that moment. Joe Girard has been deferring to Hughes, and Hughes was not in the game. So the Orange fell 69-65 in overtime. The loss hands them the sixth seed, and that's bad news, Tim, not only because of that 9 o'clock start, (laughs) but they get most likely North Carolina, who plays Virginia Tech on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. That's a tough draw. A lot of people think the Heels are a dark horse to win the tournament, they're the number 14 seed for crying out loud. It's it's crazy because they're playing as good as really anyone in the conference right now, the way they played at Duke. And obviously we know the history between Syracuse when it's Jim Beheim against North Carolina's Roy Williams. This is now nine straight. UNC has won. They came into the Dome, beat them easily. I think what Matt Doherty on the broadcast said, it was like the coronavirus, that which was, was really a little for. Yeah. A little insensitive on his part, but that's what he compared avoiding the UNC game or avoiding that having That was one UNC. of those moments, like, did I really just hear that? Yeah, that was... People uh, tweeting about it. I don't know if he got reprimanded from upstairs. You'd have to think he did. He had a lot of interesting things to say, but that, that topped the list. Right, and he's a former UNC coach, so he's seen a year like this from the Tar Heels. But, you know, it's weird because UNC is still the 14th seed. But, I, like, will they be favored against they Syracuse? They feel like the 14. In the second round? Probably. I think Vegas Greensboro. would probably favor UNC based on the history there. I mean, if you look into this matchup, you know the 2-3 zone does not work against UNC. And that's why it's such a nightmare because in this ACC, as the 5 seed, it did feel like Syracuse had a chance to at least, like, give us some false hope in Greensboro or win at least one game. Now they're probably not even going to be favored, and the only team they wouldn't be favored against is UNC in terms of that Wednesday matchup, and that's who they've got most likely if they beat VT. 
If they were the five seed, they'd be playing the winner of Wake Forest and Pitt. Ugh. That's way better. Two teams the Orange handled relatively convincingly in the regular season. They beat Pitt twice. Now, I guess it did come down to the wire with Wake on that Bryson Goodine putback. But, hey, you still feel a lot better than North Carolina. So this is a terrible situation for the Orange as they head down to the ACC tournament. They know they've got to win the dang thing to get into the big dance. That's not looking likely. Moving forward, they'd play Louisville on Thursday at 9 o'clock again. The Cardinals, that's their worst loss of the season. Yeah, it's it's really a nightmare scenario. <laughs> that happened However later. You. We were talking about it, and I was like, oh, no, because you feel better about playing Duke, I think, than Louisville, yeah. and Virginia has moved all the way up to the two-seat. I know. That's, that's wild. Virginia's won eight straight, and it felt like that wasn't that good of a win when Syracuse got it. Now it looks a little bit better, but... I mean, if they lose to UNC, which, like we said, I think a lot of people listening, a lot of people in Vegas are going to wager that UNC will win that game, assuming they beat Virginia Tech. It's not out of the realm of possibility that VT could beat UNC because let's not forget that this UNC team— anything can happen. Anything can happen, sure, and this UNC team is playing much better. They're a great matchup against Syracuse, but I don't know if they're necessarily the quote-unquote favorite to be an underdog to make a run here. I think that's maybe being blown out of proportion a little bit considering their record. But if UNC beats Syracuse, and that's the end of the ACC tournament for the Orange, 17-15, and 15, then you have to consider, are they definitely in the NIT? Ouch. Really? I mean, if you're 17-15... and 15, That's the state of affairs right now. I don't think that's... Out of, I think they would still get in because they're Syracuse. They draw some fans... And they're a brand name, but I don't know if, you know, things go against them and you get some of those bid stealers type things. Because remember, any team that wins their conference regular season is automatically in the NIT worst case scenario. So if you're Syracuse, you're rooting for those conference regular season winners in the mid-major conferences to win the tournament and get in and then not fall back to the NIT. I'm with you. I think it's going to be tough for Syracuse to even get to that tournament at this point. Like you said, though, you got to figure that orange brand, the number of fans that will show up to the event, regardless of where it is, you'd think that's a pretty big draw for the committee. This is not what fans expected. It seems like the odds are completely stacked against the orange in Greensboro. No, not only is it in a place where your head coach has condemned many times, <laughs> but you're playing a North Carolina team most likely that you haven't beaten in a long, long time. And, heck, Syracuse hasn't had good success in the ACC tournament to begin with. No. So there's not much optimism heading south here. There's I don't, not much. I don't think there could have been a worse scenario in terms of the seed they got, the time they're playing. Given that we knew they were going to play on Wednesday, I don't think they, there's a tougher draw than what they have, knowing that UNC is waiting if if UNC wins, and given the history there, and that it's in Greensboro, close to UNC, and then you get Louisville next round. I'd say maybe Duke might be tougher for them because Vernon Carey, but Louisville is the team that beat them by the most points, as you said, this year. So I literally don't know if this could have gone any worse for Syracuse. This was, if you wrote a Hollywood ending for the worst scenario in the ACC tournament, this is it. And we're living it. 
feels like a doomsday scenario. Could not agree with you more. When you look at the first-round matchup, you look at the next matchup, I guess not technically first-round because they do get that bye, this is not looking good for the Orange. And we start to ask ourselves, how did this happen? SU was terrible from three against Miami. Weren't they supposed to be a good three-point shooting team? I don't even know what we're watching at this point based on what we saw earlier in the season. Buddy Beheim just cannot throw a chair in the lake. He can't have back-to-back consistent games, and that's hurt this team, especially when Hughes goes down. Well, I think Buddy, obviously, once Hughes isn't out there, the attention goes more on him. And when he's your number one guy, that's a problem. Because as good as he's been this year, and we can get into... I think he has a case to be ACC's most improved player. That award is given out every year. And we talked about this off the air. You pushed back on that a little bit. But, I mean, look, coming into the year, what was the question around him? It was, can he add a mid-range game, right? He has added it, but not consistently. He's literally the most efficient mid-range shooter in the country, based on stats. Stats support that, and it was on Twitter Matthew Gutierrez, our pal, quote tweeted it over there at The Athletic. But he's added that as much as you possibly can. It was a question mark, and now he's the most efficient mid-range shooter in the country. He's also the most efficient shooter from the right wing, three-point range, in the country. But this is a guy who has had 11 20-point games this year. And honestly, I don't know who else is in the conversation for most improved player. Amir Sims at Clemson, Garrison Brooks, UNC maybe, because he's made a leap. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to give it to Buddy because we've talked about this a lot. Team on just Fizz hasn't Cass. been good enough. Team hasn't been good enough. They don't really seem to value Syracuse as much, maybe because they're up north, at least based on what the treatment of Elijah Hughes has been, which might be slightly overblown, but I, I do think Hughes is not getting the credit he deserves. And... I'd be shocked if the award actually went to Buddy, but I think he is probably the most improved player in the conference. When you look at his numbers from last year, he averaged 17 minutes a game last year. Coming into this year, this was best-case scenario for him. I mean, we, we never right. would have expected this. He's top 10 in the ACC in scoring. Hard for me to push back on those numbers. I think what you expect from a player always changes, and as Buddy has gotten better, expectations... Sure have risen as well, and lately he has not met that bar. But, as you state, we can't take away that he's a much better player this year than he was last year, even when he's inconsistent at this time. The way I look at it, maybe with some orange-tinted glasses, is I think Buddy's got to be on his A game for SU to make any noise in Greensboro. And there's really not a ton of reason for me to believe that will happen. So let's say Hughes doesn't play against North Carolina. Where's your offense offense coming from? Right. Gerard has been good in a few games. For the most part, he's a volume shooter, and his percentages haven't been great either, and his shot selection has been questionable at best, and that's just sort of where this team is at right now. Honestly, not to make this a conversation about next year because I know we're previewing the ACC tournament, but that's a big question mark for me if Elijah Hughes goes to the draft. Because when Buddy has been the number one guy that was NC State where he got locked up, I think he scored like eight points or something, but it was inefficient. 
And then in that second half against Miami, where he was basically kind of taken out of the game. He made a couple shots, but he was inefficient against Miami the other day. So if Elijah Hughes isn't there next year, I don't, I mean, that's where I think Buddy's overrated, is he can't be a number one guy, at least not right now. Well, that's not really in his tool set. Right. So tool that's set, the big skill issue. Set? Yeah. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> you got the point across. That, that's the big issue with next year for me, along with the center problem. And it seems like that has become and less Brahma of an issue. And fouled out again, by the way. Yeah. And that's unacceptable. Jesse Edwards forced into service. <laughs> right. And he looked pretty good the other day. But I don't know. Everyone's going to talk about the center thing. They're going to have to figure out who's going to score the ball next year because Hughes. And let's face it, in the last three or four years for Syracuse, you've had Tyus Battle, you've had Hughes, you've had a heavy isolation base guy that you could go to in the final minutes. I guess that's Gerard next year. That's who it's been this year once Hughes is out. And it was pretty good against NC State, but we know that comes with a lot of bad shots once it is Gerard. Here's my thing with Gerard and Beheim: The two of them came in as freshmen as quote-unquote sharpshooters. That's what we knew them as. Gerard may be a little fancier off the ball in terms of creating his own shot and things like that. But at the end of the day, they were shooters coming in. Beheim shot nearly 40% in ACC play last year. Gerard is not doing that. He has not gone on a consistent streak of three-point shooting all season. So that makes me wonder, and that makes me not optimistic that he's going to come out and light it up in Greensboro. I just don't have, if Hughes isn't playing, I think there's almost no way that they advance to the second round. No. No he, matter who they're playing, the third right. round, quarterfinals. Even if they are, even if Hughes is playing, I think they're underdogs. But to your point, Gerard, here's his numbers right now. 35% field goal percentage, 29.8%, so rounded to 30% three-point percentage. Now, his free throw shooting is tops in the country, but even that slipped. He's 87%. For a while, he was way up there. So he's not shooting the ball good at all. And Jim Beheim has said that. And it's the good and the bad with him. That was the full Joe Girard experience against Miami. He hits that game-tying shot to send it to overtime. Then he gets tunnel vision. Right. And the overtime, some of those shots were horrific. If they go in, he's a legend. To his legend, point, though— but- who else is going to take that, that shot? I, that's where I fall back, too. They is... don't have any other options. It's almost like Beheim told him at one point, hey, man, just just take the shot. Did you see, I know you weren't watching towards the end of the game. You were working the game somewhere else. Maybe you had it up on a monitor. There was a huddle, there, was a huddle there where Beheim was not talking in the huddle. And they were really? all just sitting there staring at each other. And Matt Doherty, who said some really questionable things, as we've touched on, <laughs> was like, what's this, a little silent game in the huddle? That was odd to me. That seems ill-timed. <laughs> right. Very much so. But, hey, I'm just going to let that sit right there. Let's make some predictions here in the ACC tournament. Game one on Wednesday, second round, 9 o'clock, either against Virginia Tech or North Carolina. So let's start. If North Carolina advances, I think we all think that's going to happen. I don't see a scenario where the Orange beat the Heels. I think they lose by 15 points. I'm not even trying to be Debbie Downer here. I like 
they're not Roy Williams has dominated Jim Beheim. They they scored ninety two in the dome. They score eighty five a game in the last nine wins they've had over Syracuse. And this offense is clicking now. They have Garrison Brooks. They didn't even have Baycott for the full game last time, who is another big man that can give them problems. It's such a matchup nightmare, and UNC will have the momentum. Hard to disagree with that one, Tim. I think North Carolina will wipe the floor with Syracuse, especially if Hughes doesn't play. And we'll have to keep an eye on Hughes' status moving forward. Remember, you can get all the updates at Orange Fizz on Twitter. We'll be down in Greensboro all week long. But before before we get out of here, Tim, how about Virginia Tech? If they win, how does this change things for you? Because I think for me, the Hokies winning provide some new life for the Orange, say they win that game, and then they take their shot against Louisville. Yeah, I think they would beat Virginia Tech if they play Virginia Tech. I think that's a completely different opponent, and I think the Vegas line, everything would indicate that. I don't think it's crazy to think VT beats UNC. I really don't. I could see it happening because everyone's so in on UNC, and it's just been such a disappointing year for that fan base and that program that I think it's a little different when they go like to Duke because they have nothing to lose in that game. If you're playing Virginia Tech as the quote-unquote sexy favorite to make a run, now the pressure's kind of on you in Greensboro. So they haven't played well when they've had that type of pressure this season. It's a young team. I don't think it's crazy to think they would lose to Virginia Tech, and if that happens, it changes everything for Syracuse. You're right. Watch that game. It's Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, number 11 seeded Virginia Tech against the 14th seed North Carolina. The winner of that game has Syracuse on Wednesday at 9. And if they win, they'll have Louisville at 9 the next night. So get your coffee in your system. And, heck, I know it's unlikely, but if they play on Friday, they're playing at 9 o'clock as well. <laughs> of course. That's the track they're on, the 9 o'clock track. So get used to it. And if you're hoping for a miracle, you'll have it three nights in a row. All right, that does it for us here on the FizzCast. We'll be down at the ACC tournament. Make sure to check out all of our coverage on Twitter, at Orange Fizz, written content as well, orangefizz.net. At the end of the week, we'll have live Fizz radio from Greensboro. So we'll be on-site breaking down what could be an early exit for Syracuse, something Orange fans are all too used to in the ACC tournament. For my partner, Tim Leonard, I'm Jonathan Hoppy signing off. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you from Greensboro.